Welcome to Talk, Train, Eat, Live. Welcome to episode three of Talk, Train, Eat, Live. And on today's podcast, we have Andy Mee, a fellow personal trainer and coach. This is our proper first conversation we've ever had. We've kind of corresponded through social media. We've never met in the flesh. So this is as close as we've we've got so far, especially at the moment with what's going on in the world. But uh, welcome, Andy. And if you want to say hello and introduce yourself, that'd be great. Hello, and thank you for having me. Um, I've been wanted to be invited on. But, yeah, right. you know, basically, I, I'm Andy May, and I'm um, a personal trainer and online coach from Essex in England, obviously. And I help men and women lose fat, build their confidence while eating the foods they love. And that's kind of my niche. Um, I work with people that are very frustrated and have tried many other diets and, and ultimately not getting the results they want. So I help simplify it and give them structure um, and accountability to ultimately reach the goals they haven't been able to by themselves. And again, um, I'll throw it in here, folks. Well, we are, this is the first podcast we're recording over Zoom. So fingers crossed the audio turns out well and it's all nice and clear. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll try and do our best if we get any internet issues as we go through. Um, so just going back there, Andy, to your, your business itself and yourself, um, I, I know from looking at your social media, you, it, would it be fair to say, you like to try and keep things as simple and uh, effective for your clients. Is that the best way to think about it? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've been doing this quite a long time now. And as, as I spoke to you off air, it was like eight, nine years when I first got into the industry after university. Um, and I was always trying to maybe make things too complicated, try and get every client to do the most fun thing they possibly could. Um, and, you know, I made mistakes. And a lot of these myths um, I was reading about when I, before I got into the industry. So it's a case of now like really trying to make things simple because ultimately people overcomplicate things. And really the more stupid, simple you keep it, generally yeah. the easier it is, isn't it, to follow. Um, so yeah, my take on it is to just to not overcomplicate things, try and um, simplify it for clients and ultimately get the structure and the basics in place because that's what ultimately will get the result. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, Andy kind of highlighted there, folks. So today's episode, for the most part, um, is going to be about myth busting, about those uh, those questions, those articles, those Facebook posts, those Instagram influencers you've seen talk about a, a range of things, whether, well, we're going to cover lots, okay? Um, we've had an input from clients and via social media regarding some, probably some strange ones that you may not have heard of. Um, if you have, then hopefully we'll clear them up for you. Um, if you haven't, then at least we then can point you in, hopefully in the right direction to avoid them if necessary, or some of them, you know, might be slightly helpful, but we'll, we'll see. We'll cross them. There's quite a few on the list. And yeah, so that is today's episode, folks. Myth busting. Um, all right, Andy. Do you want to start us off? What's any of your list? Where do you want to go first? Well, we came, we sort of said to have about seven, didn't we? We could, we could probably come up with 700 that we've heard of over the time. But I would say that the first big one I um, encountered the most, and I have heard thousands of times, is that they're good foods burn fat and bad foods store fat. And there's these good and bad foods and we need to eat clean and stuff like that. So ultimately, there is no necessarily good and bad foods from a fat loss perspective. There are obviously more optimal foods to consume, but it ultimately comes down to 
calories in versus out. Very, very simplified way of doing it. But I like to get clients to look at foods as more and less nutritious rather than good or bad. And that there is room in the diet for any of those foods. And ultimately, it's my job to help them structure their diet and, and build more sustainable approach. Because the problem people have is they start demonizing foods. They cut out these quote unquote bad foods, which they yeah. ultimately have spent their whole life over consuming. Um, and they haven't been able to manage. And then at some point, you're going to slip, you're going to rebound. So I, I like to try and get my clients to understand that nothing is off limits. We ultimately need to manage these foods, these hedonic foods that you overconsume. You find it hard to put down when you have one and actually include that in your fat loss plan. So if we're saying, and I agree, using the term good and bad isn't, isn't helpful. Yeah, as you say, you're labeling foods for one. Um, it, and it's kind of strange because we say good or bad, but in general, people will put certain of their own ideas and thoughts into, into good or bad food. So I don't know, some people might look at hummus. Let's just completely pick out hummus, <laughs> completely random, and say, and it's really good for you. Someone else will look at it, look at the label and go, well, yeah, but it's full of fat. So it's, it's bad for you. Whereas actually it's it's all right it's 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 fairly fibrous it's fairly filling it's a good snack alternative for certain people if, and if you like it then you probably can include it quite regularly in a diet and again that's just hummus completely out of the out of the random but no, it's, it's a good example um, yeah but people people will label it label certain foods in their own way won't they which yeah. um which because it's so personal that's the thing yeah i mean the amount of people that said andy is this bad and and you can't answer a definite yes or no. Is it bad compared to what? Like yeah. <laughs> because yeah, hummus, a fat source, nine calories per gram per fat source. Are you comparing it to having a Snickers? If you have hummus and carrot sticks, is it bad compared to Snickers? No. Is it higher in calories than some other options? Yes. But there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with having a Snickers every now and again. It's just very calorie dense for the amount of food you're going to get. Um, you yeah. wouldn't want to obviously live off a of Snickers. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's ultimately, you know, I, I, I like to use the term like, um, or the phrase more so like, there is no such thing as a bad food, just a bad diet, because it's going to come down to your averages, it's going to come at, down to your diet as a whole, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and I think that's the way that people should look at things. So no, no good or bad foods, definite, I think that's something I definitely agree with. Um, so then normally then that person's next question is, well, as you say, is this bad? Or, well, if, if you're telling me there's no good or bad food, does that mean, or I can eat lots of, let, lots of crisps, for example. Mm -hmm. And you go, well, I'm not telling you, you cannot eat. And I'm not sure, again, from your, your full approach, is there anything, oh, I, I take it, you would, from what you just said there, there's nothing off limits to your no. clients, really? I mean, no. What I personally do now, which has worked incredibly well for me with my client results is, we, we have an initial call, and that's for me to get to know the client, blah, blah, blah. We schedule another call a week later at the start of their journey. And in that time, I actually get them to log their food as they habitually eat. And what they generally yeah. do is improve that because they're very highly accountable now. They know I'm stalking them um, <laughs> and see what they're eating. And so when they come to me, we then have what I call a nutritional analysis call, and we go over their food. And then we come up with ways I ultimately want them to create a slight deficit on what they do in terms of calories so yeah. i we can have a conversation back and forth and i want us to 
come up with a strategy that is an improved version of what they currently do. And it's what can we do that's going to be the minimal amount of sacrifice to you to gain us a result, i.e. to drop for a fat loss goal. I generally work with people losing fat. And that is what can we do to create a slight deficit? And for some people, it might be a case of one calorie spray instead of oil. When we save 200 calories on something, they don't even know because all they're doing is putting it on the pan. They're not eating it. They're putting it on the pan and 200 calories there. So they'd rather spend 200 calories on a cup of biscuits in the evening with a cup of tea, which they're yeah. going to enjoy a lot more than that little bit of oil on the pan. So therefore, we create deficits and we keep the foods that they kind of get rid of because they think, I can't eat this while I'm dieting. And we have made some smart choices elsewhere that are going to bring us a, a slight deficit. And then a few other things like increasing protein and just making sure they're getting enough fruit and vegetables there. But the 80-20 rule kind of thing always comes back where if, if the majority of our diet is from whole foods and good fibrous, nutritious foods, that mm. 20% of foods to eat whatever the hell you want, that could be a bit of chocolate and crisps and stuff. If, we're allowed, if yeah. we can have that, you don't feel like you're dieting, you're just moderating it better. And if the overall calories in place and we build this structure over time, so I do a weekly checking process where we analyze the last week and we can set goals and stuff so that it can ultimately adapt. So week one, the way you were, basically the way you habitually, which doesn't get you the result you want, to week 12 is fairly different. But because we've done little steps along the way, it's kind of gets you there without realizing that you're actually changing too much. Yeah. And I think that one example you gave there almost highlighted going back to the start to that myth of good and bad food. So you've ultimately really said there, people would normally label tea and biscuits as a bad inverted commas choice. Mm. Yet they may label that two calorie oil as a good choice. Yeah, as you've just said, but over the week, if you add up what you've kind of consumed overall, Mm. that good food actually just becomes part of their diet and it's still achieving their goal. Which is mm. ultimate what what we're trying it's to win do. Win-win, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Totally. Um, so on that, going back, so the the myth, the question. I'm hoping the internet hasn't frozen. I can hear you. I just oh, yeah, frozen. Frozen. That's, the picture froze, but again, this is just audio. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. um, the back to the myth. So good or bad foods, either one of them, positive or negative for fat loss. Um, is there any difference? Summing that up, I, I would just say that yes, there are foods that are are more nutritious, and you need that. You need that in your diet. I mean, everyone, what everyone listening to this could eat three Snickers bars a day and lose weight because that's only about yeah. seven hundred calories. Everyone will lose weight. They will get leaner. They will feel terrible. They'll feel like crap. They'll be getting no real protein in their diet, no nutrients, nothing. That is the one extreme. People love extremes. We don't need extremes either way. We need to be in the middle. And ultimately, there is no good and bad foods. Um, it's down to calories when it comes to weight loss. But we should be feeding ourselves with healthy, nutritious foods because ultimately, it's going to make you feel better. And it's going to help you actually adhere to a lower calorie number. Because if you yeah. just eat crap, and that's what people sort of get this flexible dieting, it's just eat crap and just hit calories. No, because you're going to then not get a lot of food. You're going to be more hungry, blah, blah. There's lots of foods that are more satiating and that are going to help you adhere to that lower calorie number. You can get more volume of food, which ultimately makes the process easier. If they're if you're more lower, more lower calorie, high nutritious foods are going to be easier for you to adhere to that calorie number. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, good or bad food myth busted. Yeah. I'd say <laughs> right. 
Okay, uh, let's move on. So I think we both had this in some some way. Um, oh, I actually had it in two different ways. So let's talk about intermittent fasting um, as a as a single entity first. It does fall into a second one, which I got, which was re regarding fasted exercise. Mm. But let's it, it almost overlaps. But let's yeah. let's touch on intermittent fasting. Um, for those of you who may not you know if you may not know what it is um and i would say there's many ways in which this has been applied over the last few years since it's became popular i suppose um you know whether it's a, a intermittent fast over the course of a day whether it's the kind of fasting over a week something like the five two diet i suppose would fall into that category um What's the other famous one? Um, You've got like the 16-8 approach, which is where you, you only have an eight-hour window, haven't you? Um, yeah, it wasn't there one. Not, it's not Hollywood. Was, there, was it the, the like a Palm Beach diet or something, something like that? Was that know, to do I can't remember. But it's it's far, intermittent fasting is where you will either drastically reduce your calorie intake or or have no calorie intake for a period of time. So, you know, you're talking along something like the 5-2 diet. Obviously, 5-2 is seven days in a week. Five of those days you eat at a, a rough calorie number. The other two days you massively reduce it. Um, I know there's been many different uh, editions of it, I suppose you want to say, or different types of that has been released or publicized. But um, that would be the kind of the weekly one where you have super low calorie days for a couple of days and normal days, again, in inverted brackets, um, inverted commas. And then you've got the hourly one where over the place of 24 hours, you massively reduce your calorie intake for um, a given amount of time. Um, in, in essence, in simple terms, whether it's taken over the day or taken over the week, what you are ultimately doing is re reducing your calorie intake um if you're if you're used to eating 3000 calories a day for 7 days a week that's going to be um 21000 calories there if you for two of those days only eat 500 calories you've straight away created a 5000 calorie deficit over the week which is going to result in some fat loss um, I think that's the simplest way of putting it. Would you, you yeah, think? I completely agree. I think that can be busted pretty quick because ultimately fasting is just a means of helping you consume less calories. If you shorten your window down, you generally will consume less. But if you only ate for four hours a day, but you still exceeded the amount of calories that you need and what you might eat over six meals, 10 meals, whatever, you're still going to gain body weight. Um, yeah. So I think that sort of falls into one that I had would be about eating breakfast because you've got the whole like is breakfast the most important meal of the day and then you've got other people saying fasting is you've got some people saying you need to eat breakfast other people saying fasting is the best way well that's very counter counteractive because they're the yeah. opposite but one will tell you that's the only way to do it and there is no only way isn't there and ultimately it's just a case of if you don't like breakfast first thing in the morning you can't stomach food the last thing you should do is force food down you because if everything else is the same and then you force food down in the morning you've increased your calories yeah. Um, and you've, eat, you've you've had to force feed yourself if you didn't want to. Um, so ultimately, yeah, like the whole, because I had it in as well in the same brackets, you should eat six meals a day because that was the old school sort of bodybuilder approach, wasn't it? Which is more based around protein. But yeah, that you should have the meal frequency you want is going to be 
um, whatever that will, you should have the meal frequency that you want, basically, because it's yeah. not going to affect fat loss. So if you have three meals, two meals, six meals, if calories are matched. Yeah, and I think, again, going back to the breakfast, because I had that one as well, is is breakfast the most important meal of the day? That's literally the same point I had as well from one of my clients. Mm-hmm. And if you could flip that, you like you said, if you wake up and you don't fancy breakfast and you don't get hungry till 11 o'clock in the morning when you have your first, I don't know, a coffee break at work, then, okay, crack on. Absolutely yeah. fine. If that's, help, if that's helping you achieve your again, your, your, your calorie goal for the day slash week or however long you're logging for, or even if it's just, even if, you know, again, and we'll, we may even touch on calorie counting, but calorie counting isn't essential, but you need to have some sort of awareness. I think we yeah. both agree on that. But if it's your first meal is at 11 o'clock and that's okay. And then you're not, it's either they're not causing you to kind of binge or overeat at lunchtime or into the afternoon, causing you to overconsume your calories, then yeah, carry on. If you you know you train at nine o'clock in the morning and you can't train on an empty stomach and someone's telling you don't eat breakfast because it's better for you, yet you feel crap at the gym because you've got no energy, then mm. for you, eating breakfast is important. So have something, whether it's a banana, whether it's a scrambled eggs on toast, you got to, as you said, you've got to make it fit your day and your lifestyle, your goals. There, and we, you know, it might be an echoing thing going through, but there's no one size fits all. Absolutely, um, and I think more. the fasting thing is such, such a personal thing. You know, yeah, you know, absolutely, done it, and it works for them. And yeah, I, I know if I, if I, I can probably survive till maybe. I know I'm up fairly early, six o'clock ish. If I if I don't eat maybe before nine, I, I start to get a little bit edgy. You know, <laughs> I, need, I need something in me. I'm I'm not a I, I don't know. I've never tried the sixteen eight, and I don't really want to. I'm no. happy I'm happy with what I do, and it works for me. So, yeah, it, it, you've got to find it what works for you. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. I think that's pretty much busted. Um, do what works for you. Do what you would prefer to do. Ultimately. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we may come, we'll, we'll come back to another fasted tight one in terms of, I, I kind of touched on it there with exercise, but let's, what's anything else not fasted related? And My, my, my other one would be kind of the, the whole myth that you eat fat to burn fat and that you would need to be going low carb to get leaner. Um, so you, you hear this a lot and I, I often find it difficult to actually explain this, but the whole i.e. if you have a high fat diet and a low carb diet versus a higher carb low fat diet um, where the evidence shows us that actually if calories and protein are matched it's the same result with fat loss um, and the whole myth comes about where obviously if you're if you're consuming low carbs you don't necessarily have Can so I if, you, there? you yeah. froze at the start of the myth I oh, think I? we missed what the myth was on my oh. end anyway. So just in case, recap the myth. Again. We're assuming <laughs> high carb, low, low fat, I think, but let's recap it. Yeah. Okay. Right. So my other myth that I um, hear a lot is that you need to eat fat to burn fat um, slash need to go low carb to lose weight. Um, okay. And I think this, this whole, this whole myth kind of comes down to the fact that if you're, if you're burning fat, you must be getting leaner. Where ultimately, if you eat more carbs, you need to burn carbs. If you eat more fat, you need to burn the fat. 
it's, it's effectively you need to still burn the energy that you consume from food and we consume energy in the form of calories that's the unit that we use for food so you still need to get through the amount of calories you consume before you can metabolize body fat so whether that is carbs or fats the amount of calories you need you uh, you consume sorry over your maintenance you still need to burn yeah. um so um i mean the evidence shows us that whether it's high fat low carb or high carb low fat if protein and calories are matched the fat loss result is the same so again yeah. it just goes straight back again to it is overall calories not necessarily well not at all carbs and carbs are an energy source if you drop your carbs massively your non-exercise activity will probably drop because you'll be lacking energy and it's, it's our first unit of energy to go for so yeah that would be one i hear very frequently yeah okay so that falls into two of mine which i'd never heard this one uh, and um so <laughs> eating chocolate before you exercise burns more fat <laughs> now I'm not sure. I'm maybe going to say like a chocolate company came up with this one. Uh, maybe it was endorsed by some well-known brands or something. But I think it's probably Bob down the pub, to be honest. <laughs> Chinese whispers. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've never heard that. You know, it, it, they're all so similarly linked, like we've touched on, whether it's eating a certain anything before you exercise. Does it burn more fat? Does it burn more calories? Does it burn whatever? Um, but yeah, eating chocolate before you exercise burn more fat. Um, I, I think it straight away. Let's let's just say no. I'm going to say no. <laughs> I've never heard explain, that. <laughs> explain that one. It's just a no. Um, I can't even think what the logic would be behind no. that myth being created. Um, again, what I have what I actually have heard, which is, is similar, is that about the whole, which I didn't put down, but it's made me remember it, is that. After you work out, your metabolism metabolism is spiked, so therefore you can eat whatever you want um, yeah. because you're going to you know burn through it quickly. And again, absolute rubbish. It comes down to EPOC, which is the the um, like effectively your post exercise calorie burning. Your metabolic rate will be very minorly enhanced, but we're, it's not significant. Um, it's I think it's at all yeah because that obviously that's related to kind of that hit and versus yes isn't it jogging versus high high intensity interval training and I think I can't remember the numbers but I think you're right that epoch over the next 24 hours it does exist but yes. it's something ridiculous isn't so it so minor exactly. 14 14 calories over 20 it's something so small where mm. it, it's it's a scientific yes it does exist but, but you yeah. cannot apply it to the real world and real results because yeah. it, let's say it's even let's say it is even 50 calories which I, i'm sure it's less than that over 24 mm. hours that's um that's one jaffa cake yeah so again, to think I, i've done i've done a 20 minute hit session and mm. i'm gonna now go in the kitchen and have a bacon and egg sandwich and it doesn't matter because i'll burn yeah. it off <laughs> yeah exactly no, yeah. Again, yeah. you can have a bacon egg sandwich if over that 24 hour period or whatever week, again, it's within that calorie goal, that calorie deficit. And I think that's probably where that chocolate one can fit in as well. Yeah. Is that, you know, if, if you fancy a little bit of chocolate before you work out and if it makes you feel, I don't know, good, I suppose is the best word, or gives you a little bit of a pickup and you've had some dark chocolate and you go, you know what? Yeah. All right. I'm going to work out. Then, do it 
again, if that fits in your your day or mm. fits into your diet on a whole, then yeah, why why Go not? For it. Yeah. yeah. If you're not feeling sick while you're working out, because you've had a okay, we're not saying to eat two Snickers before you exercise, that probably won't be good, but <laughs> a square of dark chocolate. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna okay, I'll throw this one in there, a bit of honesty. So when was this? I want to say five, five, six years ago, I think I was um, car backloading. Do you remember that? Do you ever, yeah. yeah. So I was car backloading. So in essence, folks, that is for most of your day, you just eat protein and fat, maybe some veg. After you work out, you then can, and in, in my head, it translated to just eat as many carbohydrates as you <laughs> wanted. And, uh, and, and also in there, that's why I'm thinking of that now, because dark chocolate was coming up at the time as this wonder thing. Mm, yeah. I was going, yeah, okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll just eat loads of 85% dark chocolate. It'll be fine. You know, that's it's there. It'll work. Um, and it's technically supposed to be the um, uh, kind of the NO2, isn't it? Nitric oxide anyway, kind of pre-workout type effect you were supposed to get from dark chocolate. And um, there is a bit of caffeine in dark chocolate as well. So yeah, yeah. Health so, performance. Yeah, so I went through a stage of going, yeah, I'm going to get as dark as I can, a couple of <laughs> squares of dark chocolate before workout. And you know what, I ended up just feeling sick. So I was just like, yeah, what am I doing? What am I doing? I, I have to say, yeah, I, I was consuming dark chocolate um, many years ago, even though I didn't particularly like it. Whereas actually, <laughs> actually, I'm eating dark chocolate and I'd say, I kind of, it's all right. Whereas actually, it's got more calories in actually than milk chocolate anyway, yeah. because it's just got a higher fat content. It's a lower sugar content. Well, yeah, it does have more calories per gram. Whereas actually, I'd really enjoy milk chocolate. So if I actually have a bit of milk chocolate, I'm going to enjoy that more. And therefore, it's actually a better choice for me. Yes, it hasn't got so many. It's got a bit more sugar and blah, blah. But it ultimately, I could, I was consuming more calories eating dark chocolate. So I wasn't particularly liking <laughs> for the yeah, sake of and eating. That's, and that's going back to that first one of that kind of good or bad food. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's, again, I, again, I admit, because I, I was labelling dark chocolate as good, I was happily eating way more dark chocolate than i would normally choose and going oh no i can't ever eat a dairy milk and i love mm -hmm. a dairy milk so i would probably over the week eat probably the equivalent of say four dairy milks but in dark chocolate and avoid eating one dairy milk because i felt guilty or bad mm -hmm. and it's you know and i look folks anyone can fall into, a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> into these traps you know um um, right, so yeah, recapping, that was carbohydrates, fat, any pros or cons to eating them, pretty much. Was that right? To that uh, one? Oh, what, before workout? I can't even remember where we were. Was this the chocolate I before I... workout? Yeah, this was the chocolate um, before workout, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, chocolate before workout, yeah. Mm. Oh, oh, that was it. And yours initially was um, eating fat. Does eating more fat burn more fat? Kind of linking into that, wasn't it? Yeah, basically, no. Like, ultimately, I, I like to let the client determine which foods that they want to eat, and then I can help structure that to be the calories that they need. And that ultimately comes down to if someone likes fat sources as food, so they like avocado, they like nuts, they like hummus, blah, blah, they're, they're going to need a slightly lower carbohydrate intake if they have an abundance of those foods, because obviously, otherwise, calories are going to go crazy. So, if you prefer bread, rice, potatoes, all those foods, then you can go for a slightly more higher carb approach. Again, always trying to get enough protein there. And it would be a lower fat approach. Um, yep. But obviously, a high fat, high carb, low protein approach 
isn't going to be optimal, but you would still lose body fat if your calories are in a good place. But what you're telling me is I can't have a high fat, a high carb and a high protein diet. Is that what you're <laughs> you telling me? You can just have a high <laughs> calorie <laughs> diet. <laughs> And that Something actually, again, uh, we could have, uh, there's so many tangents I can go off here, but <laughs> ultimately the, the whole eat eat more to lose weight thing and like, yeah. oh, the more calories you eat, the more you burn and this whole starvation mode. I can't believe I didn't put starvation mode down here. Yeah, that's, good. that's a good oh, one. Maybe, we'll come on yeah, that. maybe so, that, could be our, that could be our finale, maybe. Yeah, well, maybe we can either go on go off onto it now or we can finish up with it if you want. What do you reckon? Um, let me, okay, let's go on to it next. I'm just going to cover that. Um, because into my one, I had a rough, it was carbs in general, it, this yeah. carb phobia almost really. Yeah. Um, and you, you've kind of, you've kind of touched on it there. Um, and that could be that category of, I've been told not to eat carbohydrates after eight o'clock at night, or I've been told not to eat carbohydrates before workout. I've been told not to eat carbohydrates for breakfast. I've been told not to eat carbohydrates at all. What, whatever of those things you've heard or you've tried, Again, it, they all have their place if, if you want to include them. I, mm. Again, is another way of putting it. You know, if, um, if you don't feel great eating a high carbohydrate diet, then don't, don't do it. Mm. Eat, eat more veggies and maybe pulses um, or find a carbohydrate that you like. Again, you know, people always obviously straight away assume bread, don't they? White bread. Um, is the, the carbohydrate most people talk about, but you know, you, you can talk about rices, pastas. Um, they're again, if they are in check, if they are forming part of your diet that you can routinely eat, um, is maintaining your weight or achieving your goal, whatever your goal is at the time, then include them. Um, mm. if you, in, if you want to, and if you enjoy them, if you don't like pasta, then you're not going to eat it anyway. Um, but at the same flip of that, if you like jacket potatoes, then find some space in your meals for the week to eat, I don't know, two, three jacket potatoes. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, um, it's, 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 it's kind of hard to make it sound so simple, but mm. it is. I think, I think the, most, um, the simplest way to put it is that you don't need to eat low carb. You don't need to eat low fat. You ultimately need to control your overall energy balance. And that's ultimately what's going to get you the result. Um, and you need to structure your food in a way that helps you adhere to that calorie number. Um, and there's no right or wrong way to do that. It's ultimately going to be whatever way that means that you find easiest, which is why a no generic plan will work for everybody. Um, you just need to establish a way of doing that yourself. And that, that that's why generally pulling real plan will never help because it's not close to how you habitually eat. You've just got to ultimately help control the binges, those hedonic foods that you really over consume and just structure your diet how you want to. And this is the, the sort of thing that does grind my gears is when people have such a bias towards a certain approach saying that low carbs the only way or you've got to do slimming well, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to fast. When ultimately, yeah. no, you don't have to do anything. You have to do something that you can potentially see yourself doing for the rest of your life. Otherwise, you'll yeah. always revert back to the way you habitually eat, which isn't good enough. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Carbs put to bed, literally. Yeah. Okay. Um, what have I got next? What have I got? Okay. So this is more 
yeah, it is, it is a myth again. So that saying or that person who you think is eating whatever they want, whenever they want. Okay. And let's use the popular name in social media at the moment. Let's say you've got your mate, Karen, who you <laughs> see at work every day. And all you see her eat is um, a McDonald's for lunch and then cake and biscuits. Yet she, in your eyes, is uh, not overweight. She looks slim, healthy, whatever you, whatever you describe her as in your head. You see Karen and all you see her eat is crap. Let's put it that way, which people generally call it. Um, yet, why isn't she gaining weight? So, yeah. What's why, Andy? Why is Karen or why can Karen eat what she wants <laughs> and not gain any weight? Because Karen does not exceed <laughs> the amount of calories that she consumes and what she needs. Karen ultimately okay. but does not eat more calories than she burns off. Um, and yeah, like, like what you said earlier, actually, when we were talking, is that ultimately she, everything that you're seeing isn't her whole, like you're not, you haven't got a camera on her 24 seven. Um, I have a lot of, I've heard that before. And it's like, I was like, well, what do they do for a job? Like, oh, they, um, they're a beauty therapist or whatever. Uh, they're, they're always on their feet. Ultimately, they generally have a high meat and non-exercise activity. So they're burning off those calories. And that ultimately is it. Like no one is exempt to the rule of calories in versus out. And ultimately, Karen doesn't actually, uh, what they often do, um, I actually know someone very much like this. She eats terribly, but she eats about as much to keep a sparrow alive. Like she eats such a small amount of food, but she's always nibbling on biscuits. But then she didn't ever eat breakfast and she often would go to three o'clock without eating. So she'd then eat a load of crap. Yeah. So it wasn't the healthiest way to do it, but ultimately her calories are not actually that high because she's not yeah. eating a large volume of food. Or in between that, that rubbish, she's eating quite good stuff or she's yeah. training. But then you often hear it that like, she doesn't exercise, but she's always eating chocolate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going off on the tangent again and maybe overcomplicating it, but she effectively doesn't eat as many calories as what you think she does. Yeah. And I think so. It's it's it, and it's twofold because you only see a snapshot of Karen's day, whether it's that one time you see her at the cafe with you every Tuesday morning. She's always eating two slices of chocolate cake. Over the rest of the week, she might she might be a marathon runner. She might do half marathon. She might go to the gym six days a week or whatever it might be. She, as you say, she might then only on Tuesdays eat her chocolate cake for the rest of the week. She actually chooses some good nutritious options of of many other things. Um, it, yeah, you're seeing a snapshot, and it's then difficult because you're you're trying to compare it to what you do. And you're seeing it from a very kind of intrinsic point of view of going, but I've tried this. I, I, I don't eat this for dinner and that. Well, yeah, but you don't know what she eats for dinner. You don't know what that other person is doing for the other 21 hours a day that you haven't seen them at work or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, but you're right. In some way, or no, not in some way, she is, she <laughs> is not over consuming calories to make her gain weight yeah that's Simple. that's the end of it really um yeah how she's keeping her balance you, you ask her knows, ask her next time. she might not tell you the truth you know and she might say oh you know i just it's just it's just my genes or whatever she might say yeah. but um yeah somewhere over the week over the day she she isn't just eating that snapshot that you see mm. um 
And I think the biggest and the hardest bit probably about it is people get massively demoralized by it. Um, which is, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's hard, but you've got to just look at yourself. And if, if you think that is what this other person is doing, um, bring it back to you and go, right, well, where can I make changes? You know, yeah. that's, that's all you can do. You can only affect what you do, what goes inside you and also what you put out. Like you said, if it's your your energy expenditure, if you want to increase it, then that's down to you. Um, don't get hung up on what Karen or anyone else or Steve or whatever they were called, whatever they're called. Other names, doing. for examples, are available. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I think that that would kind of links as well to another one with this whole like um, you damage your metabolism or there is this starvation mode and you often see like the person that is always dieting this may be you listening you're they're they're generally the ones that are generally more overweight and the ones that never dieted in their whole life and there is a bit of a correlation between the more someone diets the more overweight they are but that is ultimately what they're doing in between the diet but because they're doing something so extreme and they generally would have some comfort eating binge eating episodes here and there karen because she's eating it all the time, she probably doesn't go home and binge on it because she's not depriving herself of it. Whereas uh, Margaret, she <laughs> is trying to diet all the time and then she slips off her diet and she binges in a bucket load of chocolate and crisps and then diet starts again Monday. Although she was depriving herself on just rabbit food all week and some salad and some celery, on the weekend she went crazy and consumed 48,000 calories completely eradicating her deficit and putting her into a surplus and then she starts yep. the whole process again um so it's still it's still down to those averages um and i've heard a lot of people say to me like oh i've tried this diet that diet and ultimately i've just ruined my metabolism you haven't ruined your metabolism you don't ruin your metabolism ultimately all you've done is just yo-yo back and forth and yes you've gained weight and lost weight but ultimately the heavier somebody is actually the faster their metabolism is and that metabolic rate is never stable. So when we go through a fat loss phase and we lose, say, 5, 10 kilograms, whatever, our maintenance calories now drop because we have less body mass. So with the amount of calories that we burn just walking down the shops to carry X amount, now that's lighter, we burn less calories doing that. So actually, the leaner, smaller, lighter person has a slower metabolic rate than the 18 stone heavier person. So it's never down to metabolic, it's not down to your metabolism, it's down to how much food someone's putting in and yep. ultimately how much they expend. And it's simple as that. And it, I know we keep reverting back to this calories in out. That's kind of the moral of the, of the myths, isn't it? Yeah. And I think um, you've touched on it there that, uh, so what was the point? The, the metabolism area in terms of um, whether someone says they've damaged their metabolism or their metabolism is slowing down yeah. is another one that I've, I've heard as well. Um, and I think, well, I think it's a great time to move into that starvation mode myth. Mm. Um, so, again, if, you, if you're not aware, folks, so a starvation mode um, would be where someone believes that they are, they're not eating enough to lose fat. Um, as, as simple as that. Where, and again, as we've just, as we've been saying, it's, it is down to maths. It's down to physics. Um, 
And it is down to that balance and that equation of finding that calorie or, or going into a calorie deficit. Um, so starvation mode, can you, so yeah, that's first that right. So you cannot not eat, not, not eat enough to lose weight. Andy, rephrase that for me. It's absolutely it. madness. Rephrase it. Effectively, there's, there's, three, there's three words to kind of summarise why that would be absolutely ridiculous. Starving African children. You, you, you cannot consume so fewer calories that your body stores energy. You can't generate energy from nothing. Like if you could create energy from nothing, you could solve world hunger. Like it's physically impossible to consume less calories that actually store body fat. That, that's energy. You have to consume energy to store energy. Um, so yeah, effectively, if someone's not losing weight, but they are finding very um, hard to understand why not, because they think they're consuming less. Ultimately, it's just because they are consuming more calories than what they think they are. And often somebody can reduce their calorie intake, yes, and not lose any body fat because their actual expenditure has gone down as a result. If you really under eat, yeah. you are not going to expend as many calories because you're not going to have as much energy, energy to expend. And this is why um, going back to the eat more to lose weight, you can increase your calories again, but as a byproduct, expend more or you train hard or whatnot. Your non-exercise activity increases to a slightly higher rate than what you actually increase your calories by, and you've still created a deficit. But you, me and you could go out tomorrow and do 80,000 steps and two workouts. We are going to burn a lot more calories. Or we could lay in bed tomorrow, not get out of bed, and only eat, I don't know, 800 calories. Both scenarios are going to result in fat loss because there are large, large deficits. Yep. One is just high expenditure, low in, uh, and high intake. And one is low expenditure, low intake. Either way will work. But ultimately, they're extremes again, and I like everyone to sit somewhere in the middle, which is the most sustainable, sensible approach, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's, you kind of touched on it with, if no matter who, let's say you weigh, well, any weight, let's say anybody, actually, you could say anyone, went down to a 500 calorie diet. Let's just let's just pick that number out. Mm -hmm. you, you're going to lose weight. Simple as that. Um, if... Well, if you tried that one, this is the, and that's the problem with kind of, um, well, it is the problem with, with crash diets. Um, you might be able to do that for, I don't know, two, three days, maybe a few more days. But as you've said, you're going to feel knackered. You're yeah. going to feel lethargic. You're going to feel awful, which will probably result in you just lounging on the sofa. And, and I'm talking 500 is a massive extreme. I'm not even saying try it and do it this is just Some a people will do that though won't they? yeah yeah you know what, what, what's um oh years and years ago i remember someone at college i'm sure they did the cabbage soup diet oh Christ. um and if you make some cabbage soup eat just maybe cabbage water maybe some little bit of milk or cream you're probably talking 500 calories a day mm. and yeah of course you're going to lose weight you're also going to get in the toilet a hell of a lot you're not going to be have any exercise, uh, sorry, any energy to exercise. No. So your energy expenditure, as you've just said, will massively drop. Mm. And 500 is an extreme, but there will be a, a, a tipping point of you not eating enough, feeling as though you are starving yourself in inverted commas again. 
but because you're so knackered you won't also be doing anything so there'll be a very fine balance point where you might actually be really not eating a lot and you still feel you're not losing weight or losing fat but that's because you're probably doing so little activity um and it, it, and, it, and I'm, I'm probably gonna it'll be definitely above a thousand calories without a doubt probably that sort of number but yeah yeah and the point was that was it's that extreme that extremes again extremes are just they're not good long term they're not helpful long term you know you know we we're not going to talk about performance athletes boxers and dropping weight and all that sort of stuff you know but they um they have very very specific needs um maybe if it's medical needs or something like that for such an extreme diet but we're not we're talking general population we're talking for karen and margaret and steve who just want to lose half a stone yeah you don't need to be dropping down to 500 calories i i I couldn't see an instant ever where i would suggest that to someone yeah Uh, like you say unless you had to make weight for an event say you were a boxer and you're behind and you had to suddenly drop 12 pounds in 10 days you would have to do that you'd have to dehydrate yourself but people listening to this aren't doing it for weight they're doing it so they look and feel better about themselves Mm. and that's got to be sustainable like i like to get my clients to consume the the minimal amount of calories that they feel like they could literally sustain forever that is a deficit so ultimately you want a slight deficit but then high enough that you feel like you're not actually depriving yourself yeah because let's say for example karen maintains weight from her activity etc on 1900 calories a day for just going about her day yep if she consumes 1300 calories she will lose weight quicker than consuming six 1600 calories but those extra 300 calories are probably going to be a difference in her kind of feeling like she's actually on a diet or not the seven the, the 1600 will get her to lose weight just at a slightly slower loss but if she can stay at that number for longer rather than be 1300 calories for a week and then have a binge or then just feel like she has to reverts back she's actually probably going to result in more fat loss because she's able to actually sustain it and adhere to that number yeah so ultimately it comes down to you yeah, you've got to be in a deficit but the larger the deficit the harder it will be to actually sustain that diet and i'm saying that that and we're kind of getting slightly going off the starvation starvation mode myth which we'll come back to just to kind of recap but the bigger that deficit as well the more or the higher chance you'll then feel deprived and then feel like you need to treat yourself or binge at the weekend or go well i deserve to go out on saturday night and have a curry and pint wine dessert and then you'll probably blow that bigger deficit that you were sticking to for the last 10 days anyway mm. because you feel you either deserve it or you've deprived yourself of it too much yeah um and and you know and i know we're talking in real terms we're talking quite fine margins you know 300 calories is well, what is it it's a it's a sandwich isn't it or yeah it's a chocolate bar it's one chocolate bar mm. um you know so yeah so bigger deficits um they have their place but again for long-term sustainability um probably not the best choice um no, there's nothing wrong that, with them they're not going to damage your metabolism or slow it down ultimately you yeah. can't fight that anyway and yeah and just to recap on so starvation mode you 
you cannot eat too little to lose weight if you are in a calorie deficit. Yeah. If you're not losing weight, it's because you're not in a calorie deficit. <laughs> yeah. It's the flip side. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what have I got? What have I got? Okay. This is my, this is my last one actually. So, um, and I think you, we touched on this just before um, my point or my myth was, or question really was where, why does no one talk about sit-ups anymore? So um, this kind of links into spot fat loss. Yeah. Um, can you lose fat from a specific area? Um, I'll, I'll cover the kind of the, the sit-up area or the side of things first. Um, it probably came around or came about from you seeing those workout videos or those late night adverts with the ab crunch machines where you've got Mr. Rips who's doing 20 minutes of pure crunches every day, seven days a week. And he's got ripped abs or Mrs. Smith has got ripped abs and that's all they're doing. That's all they're doing is ab crunches. So that must work. Um, from a kind of physical perspective, do I do, I, I don't think, I can't remember the last time I did a sit-up personally. Um, I do variations of core exercises if we're going kind of the, like the exercise route, really. Um, I may do some dynamic plank work with a stability ball under my arms just for kind of that or resistance band kind of work. Um, ab rollouts I do, which is more anti, anti extension of the abs rather than a sit up. Um, in essence, the sit up, classic sit up that you might see, isn't great mechanically for yeah, many it's people. A very poor exercise, anyway, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's working very, very specific muscles, mm. um, very small target area of muscle. Um, if you want to do something that's in a similar motion, I like to do hanging leg, hanging knee tucks or hanging knee raises, something like that, where you're working your whole torso, your upper back, um, you know, your posterior chain, your abs, obliques, so much more bang for your buck. And yeah. I think that's where I just, I don't want to say ignore them. They, they may have a place. I, I rarely program them personally. Um, I will do maybe kind of V-ups or cycles or dead bugs, depending on the client, something like that. Um, and again, it's more, I think, for who I've worked with or I work with at the moment, it's more from an, an act of core activation to actually work the core through a larger range of motion or, you know, the core muscles. You know, again, the core, we could discuss the core for a long time anyway. But yeah, so yeah, that's my take on sit-ups personally um how about yourself yeah i'd agree um generally people do them because one they're easy as well and they feel it in that area so they believe it's going to do some good for burning fat in that area which it isn't exercises work muscles you cannot spot reduce so yeah it, it's, it's effectively the abdominal wall is working but there's also a sheet of fat over the top of it which has nothing to do with that exercise <laughs> that again comes down to the deficit but when it comes to core exercises Things like yeah, anti anti rotation, anti flexion exercises like wood chops, planks, stuff like that. They're harder, they hurt more, which is why people kind of avoid them a little bit more, um, and they go to the crunch. But ultimately, it would be a better because you're, if you're working on stability, it's going to give you a lot 
more bang for your buck, as you say. I remember actually an ECG study I read a long time ago, and that said that actually it produced 200% more um, recruitment in the rectus abdominis than a crunch alone doing a front plank. So you're going to get a lot more, like you say, bang for your buck doing a front plank over a crunch because it yeah. will work your abs more, basically, in layman's terms. Yeah. Um, and if it, and also if you think of the if you think of the motion of a sit up, um, most people sit at a desk all day or sit all day. So their um, abdominals are flexed most of the day or their, their body is kind of in that rounded, leaning forward position. Mm. Um, if anything, we want to open that torso up. We want to open the body up to to create you know a better posture overall so if you think about that you know your abs your sit-ups making you tighter and tighter and tighter in essence as well you know again yeah so um that's that's probably why you might not see them think things change and exercise definitely in training programming has progressed over the years so yeah. you still can find your late night adverts for your ab crunch machines but um oh yeah. do you remember seeing that um what was it called? The one that you, you put it on your start and it vibrates. I've seen oh, Ronaldo wearing it. Ronaldo's slender, slender tone type thing. Yes, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. There's that one yeah. as well. But yeah, it's a very good point what you said actually about um obviously a lot of people are sitting and a lot of people have tight hip flexors because they sit too much. And the sit-up is actually working your hip flexors more than your abs, to the point where not a crunch, but an actual sit up. Like when people put their foot underneath the sofa. And they sit yep. right up to upright. When they come upright, your abs aren't working anymore. You're just sitting upright. And then when you go down, your hip flexors are, are working. So for someone who's got tight hip flexors and then working your hip flexors, completely the wrong thing to be doing. Yeah. And um, so just going back, because I know yours was regarding um, spot reduction, spot fat loss, mm -hmm. um, choosing where you can lose fat from. Um, uh, uh, no. I think, no, it's the, it, uh, you, you know, you, you cannot, unfortunately, your body is pretty clever um, and it, it, you can't outsmart it. No. Um, if you want, you want to lose, you want to trim up your um, triceps for your, you know, well-known bingo wings or your love handles, whatever you want to call that bit of body you want to trim up, you, it's patience and time and consistency um that's the only way you're going to get those bits to change um, yeah, you will lose fat from everywhere it's just that you will have to be patient as you say and lose more fat to get rid of those areas or reduce those areas yeah and obviously you can build muscle in those areas mm -hmm. but whether you want to be more toned or see that muscle you have to get rid of that fat yeah so that's the bit that you can work on is the muscle growth but the um the fat loss that will come with time from all over all over um any more on your list i had to i had two on my list and i think we could probably wrap it up with joining them up together a little bit one was sort of lifting yeah. weights makes you bulky and the other one is cardio is best to get lean because you'll often see not being sexist but you'll often see the women on the cardio machines because they believe that's the best way of them losing fat they don't want to get bulky because if you go and lift a dumbbell you're going to get massive like Schwarzenegger. but or you get the guys in the weights area because they want to buff up and, and, and ultimately neither is really, well, neither, they're both myths, obviously, but 
fat, fat loss is, as we say, come down to a deficit. And cardio doesn't actually result. Direct exercise as a rule doesn't actually contribute to much of your daily expenditure. Only around 5% of your daily expenditure will be through direct exercise. So by focusing on exercise alone for fat loss is pretty silly because you're only looking at 5%. Why not look at the bigger chunk? And that ultimately is, well, it will always come down to obviously nutrition being the key um, because it's down to calorie intake, but also um, your metabolic rate will, can, will equate for about 70-ish percent of those calories burned, which is why laying in bed all day and not eating and doing no exercise will result in more fat loss. It's still gonna come down to how many you're putting in but yeah. most people really overestimate, especially with these watches now that will tell them they burn X amount of calories in that workout, which is massively inaccurate. But you will actually burn more calories sleeping for eight hours than if you were to do a workout for a whole hour because your metabolic rate contributes to the largest part of your calorie expenditure. So yeah. it really is going to come down to actually try and obviously exercise for health and fitness reasons not to lose fat do it do it because you're, you're getting yourself fitter you're getting yourself healthier you're getting yourself stronger um, and everyone should be doing some resistance training unless they physically can't because that's obviously what's going to help the body get stronger and like you say strengthen your core reduce risk of injuries and not just going to the gym to burn calories which is not really the way you should be looking at things yeah i sometimes kind um phrase it as and and again, you see you see the kind of memes all over uh, social media of if you go to the gym, let's say we, let's say forty five minutes. One, everyone's going to burn a different number of calories anyway in that forty five minutes. And one of the biggest things is intensity, isn't it? The intensity of that session is one of the biggest variables. Someone can go in the gym and think they've worked quite hard and maybe walk out for 45 minutes and burn, I don't know, an extra 250 calories, let's say. Someone could maybe go in and do a fairly intense session and for their uh, their body, their body makeup, their muscle mass, walk out and burn 450. Let's just, you know, they're just two random numbers. So let's say 450 calories, 250 calories, somewhere in that window. It's taking you 45 minutes. If you're going for the, the sole purpose of burning calories, and you've come out of there going brilliant i'm down let's say 300 400 calories yet throughout the day you've made two or three choices which weren't ideal or you've had those extra snacks or the chocolate bars the the two bags of crisps or what whatever the two pints if you just have not chosen to eat one of those things or two of those things you've you've done the same as what you've just done almost working your ass off in the gym for 45 minutes and again i'm not saying if, if you're own, and that's really for those people who go the sole purpose to burn calories because you're and again it's a bit of a cliche you, you're trying to out uh, exercise uh what's the word exercise a bad diet type thing that's the one that's the one yeah you're trying to exercise out of a bad diet and it's um it's it's easier or well that's, that's the problem it isn't sometimes easier to say no to that food choice or to change that food choice, people would rather have that food choice yet try and compensate by going to the gym. But yeah. I, I say there's, there's no given formula for, right, I've done 10 sets of this and I've done 20 minutes on the treadmill. Brilliant. I know I've burnt 400 calories. Um, and it's not, again, it's not sustainable. 
you can't keep doing that by justifying working that hard to burn everything else that you're putting in yeah and uh, and another obviously quite annoying thing for us is that the fitter we get our body adapts and becomes more efficient we actually burn less calories so karen goes on the cross trainer for 45 minutes and you know say she hasn't been to the gym through lockdown she's done nothing she's feels she's very unfit she goes on there that's she's going to come off of that thing gasping she's been blowing she's sweating she's burned x amount of calories let's say for example she's burned 400 calories for that time which is overestimating to be honest um but it depends how heavy she is but say she's burnt 400 calories she keeps yeah. doing that every week say three times a week she gets fitter what she'll notice is she bec- it becomes easier and she's she's finding that actually this is a lot easier now it's because her body's more efficient she's fitter she's not burning 400 calories anymore she might be burning 320 she might be burning 300 so if she keeps doing that same thing, she will reach a plateau. And there's probably a lot of people that listen to this can relate that, you know, you exercise, you lose weight initially, and then you stop losing weight, even though you keep doing it. And then people get disheartened and they stop um, because they think it's not working anymore. It's, you should be there because it, every time you go on that, it's still beneficial to you because you're, you're getting, you, you know, you, you're working out. But yeah. for a fat loss goal, you need to look at the bigger piece of the puzzle because that's what's going to get the result and exercising to lose lose weight is obviously helpful but it is really not that larger part of the whole equation so final final point is touching on the the start of this myth which you said about um lifting weights gets you too bulky oh yeah so i think that kind of falls quite nicely into another part of this where the leaner you are um you, you although you may it's that thing of so you could have two people who both weigh 12 stone one has a massively lower body fat percentage than the other one their calorie needs to to maintain well, no, not to maintain their body mass as, as such but to get to their kind of ideal weight is going to be so different mm. um depending on your lean body mass which I know not many people will calculate that, but just from that, you know, the look and the way you feel, your your measurements, how your clothes fit, they're all indicators of you getting leaner. Um, and as we, you know, and talked about resistance training, not wanting to bulk up. Um, and yeah, and I think we can openly say it is more of a, a female trait to say, oh, I don't want to lift weights because I don't want to bulk up. And I, I, I say, if it was that easy to bulk up, I would look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I train five to six days a week. And I've been trying for years. And I, yeah. I, I, I struggle to put muscle on. I do. And I know why. Because oh. I don't eat enough. I, I don't eat enough. Yeah. Because I'm on that always on that balance of going, I, I want to gain muscle, but oh, I don't want to eat too much. And it's, and it's a constant battle. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Do you want to elaborate on yeah, the, the bulking up, lean yeah, body? Like gaining yeah, muscle so is... In there. Yeah, gaining muscle is very, very difficult and no one will do it by accident. <laughs> you will not do it by accident. And a female will find it much more difficult to because of lower testosterone and stuff like this, but certainly not going up, picking the four kilogram dumbbells up. You're not going to balloon up. Like um, you it, actually, if you were to gain muscle, it would only do you a favor. It will only fur up your body. Fat is wobbly. Muscle is harder. Everyone wants a harder, leaner physique. And the best um physiques are those that do do some form of resistance training um and 
I think this myth has kind of been quite, you know, busted over the last couple of years anyway, of a lot of the, a lot more females are in the weights area, a lot more girls are lifting, yeah, which definitely. is great. And it's good to see. And it's more that this strong over skinny approach. Um, and I think with the whole um, fitness look and maybe having a bit more muscle and bums being very in fashion to have a bigger bum, um, I think is helping um, getting more girls squatting and hip thrusting. So I do think it's definitely a good move in the right direction. Um, because there's a lot more girls lifting now, which is good. And not yeah, just yeah, sitting right. on the cross trainer. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, okay, that that's that's my list done. I think that summarises it well. Happy with yours? Yeah, very happy. I mean, like I say, we could chat for hours on this. We could do another 70 um, easily, but otherwise um, we could be here all night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, Andy, uh, first things first, where can people um, find you, website, social medias? I'll put them, I'll put the links in the uh, the kind of text box of the podcast anyway, and in the links and things. So, yeah, my website is ultimatetransformation.co.uk. And the best place to find me really is social media, probably Instagram. And that's Andy Me PT. Me is M-E-E, so A-N-D-Y-M-E-E-P-T. Um, on Instagram and if you just type in Andy me I'll come up um, and yeah if anyone wants to uh, drop me a DM and say they've listened to it it'll be good to hear or drop me a message or read some of the content I put out um, you'd be welcome to brilliant um, yeah folks um, again I'll, this will be shared across uh, share comment if you find it LinkedIn again either mine or Andy's social media and also if there's anything else we haven't covered that you think, oh, actually, that would be good. Then, by again, this is a, you know, this is going to be a long-term project. This podcast, so fingers crossed, we'll be back on at some point. So yeah, fire your ideas over, comment, like, share. Andy, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And I'll, uh, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, speak to you soon, mate. Thank you.